0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensauken, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net.
1: My premise is that God is working in our dialogue. The Holy Spirit shows up there, maybe best of all, but it's really easy to not feel that because it's really easy to feel stuck in your own stuff like all just up in your own problems we have we have a lot of those and so they're easy to get stuck you know you're lying in bed and you're wondering about like what was that day about like what was even the point of any of that do you ever have that feeling just like oh, i didn't get enough done i don't know if what i did was what i wanted to do what's it for You know, when you're dealing with a problem, it's really easy to get tunnel vision. Like, there's no way out. This is just a map of what it means to have a problem, you know? You can't be on the other side of your sorrow or your discomfort before you're on the other side of your sorrow or discomfort. Like, that sounds, you know, it's one of those things that's so simple that it might sound profound. I don't know if I said it in the right tone of voice, but... But it's just so so simple and true. It's like, yeah, when you're all up in your stuff, it's really easy for that stuff to just kind of close you in. You know, that feeling of just being isolated. Like, no one has ever experienced this. No one knows what it's like. Uh, I'm all alone. And, uh, you know, th- there might be some, some great, beautiful thing on the other side. You know, you might be learning something even as you're feeling terrible. But... When you're feeling terrible that's mostly what's happening you're feeling terrible so being stuck in your own stuff yeah it's hard i was i I was thinking about a time where I was feeling real lonely i i, I, I get that, I get that feeling a lot actually that might be the the worst thing that can happen to me is feeling alone i don't know if everyone's wired the way that I am um, but <coughs> I I have this heart for evangelism on the local campuses. You know, we have a bunch of schools right around here. Uh, Rutgers-Camden, Camden Camden County College, RCGC, RCBC. Do you all know what those are, RCGC, RCBC? Used to be Burlington County College and Gloucester County College, but the RC is Rowan College took them over, and it's all kind of one thing. So anyways, I, I have this heart for it. And I went to uh, Camden County College, and, and this is this this is where this feeling of just kind of feeling like, oh gosh, what am I doing? What's the point? I would go and I'd spend hours there trying to figure out how to meet students. um, And I just like feel just so stupid. You know, like I'm supposed to like, I'm supposed to know what to say or something or like know how to connect. And I, I put this on my calendar and I told people I was gonna go do it and I asked them to pray for me. And now I'm just sitting here like, scrolling my phone, trying to not, trying to look normal, you know, trying to not be a weirdo and, and like having terribly awkward conversations with a couple of people being discouraged and then just kind of sitting there with my head in my hands, just be like, uh, what's, what's the point of this? Uh, so I had an idea that my friend Howard came up with, which was, oh, this is how I could connect with people. I could hold a sign that says, tell me your story. You know, I have a gimmick, you know, people will come and talk to me. And then, then, then it's more natural. Once, we're in, once I'm in the conversation, like a real conversation, I'm kind of I'm really good at that. But getting into it, oh, it feels terrible. And I'm supposed to like, that's my job. Um, so I used this sign at Camden County College, and I met people, and it was great. I did it every Wednesday for like most of one fall semester until the security guards got lies to me, and they, they shut me down. They came and talked to me, and they said, "You're not a welcome guest here. Uh, you're, you're you're not invited. This is private property. Scram." And in my but it, in my conversation um, with the the head of security, I said, "Well, I'm here with my student friends, and we're trying to maybe start a group about storytelling. Isn't that okay?" "Nope, you're not allowed." So it's like, "Well, dang, what's this?" Is a, I I was really stuck, you know. I was t- like. This really sucks. I was really mad. Like, I was, I was not impolite, but I was very defiant to the security guard. I was, I, 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 we really went back and forth quite a few times. I didn't just, like, fold up my sign and go home. So I, in, my, in my righteous anger, um, which was the response I had to that, I, I told all my friends about it. I wrote a blog post about it. And uh, all of my friends were like, yep, I'll give you money become a student and go back there. I think it was my friend Scott that maybe had that idea for the first time. And I was like, that's really weird. <laughs> but I'll do it. You get Did a GoFundMe, got $500, and I was back. And here's the part I want to highlight. That was, that was not my idea to go back. Like, I was feeling kind of stuck. Um, I was feeling like a failure. I was like, dang, my one idea didn't work and I don't have any other ideas. What's the point? Uh, and I told, And I talked about it. And my friends had another idea, and they had $500, too. And I was back on campus taking a photography class and got to meet some students, some of whom I'm still connected with. Uh, can't, can't stay a student at Camden County College forever. <laughs> so when I went to RCGC, where Jess goes, I went a little bit more under the radar, and things went well there, too. So I kind of figured it out. But it was, it was great to get out of my own stuff and, and like share my problem. And something different happened. That's, kinda, that's the miracle that I want to share. Uh, God has given us each other. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is comforting us in the words and actions of our community. Uh, we, there, something new can happen if you, if you kind of let it out. And don't just get stuck in your problem. trying to feel the weight of the world on your own shoulders. No, I'm strong enough to, to hold this up. I can figure out how to uh, make revival happen at Camden County College. That's my job, right? No. It, it, it's something that we might do and definitely something that the Holy Spirit must do. So here's the gospel truth. And I've experienced this this week as well. That happened a, a year or so ago. That we are living in dialogue together. Circle of Hope is actually good at that. You know, I'll, I'll put our, I don't know, our, our name in the hat for 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 the award for, for dialogue. And uh, the Holy Spirit is moving in our dialogue. We say that, circle of, that in Circle of Hope that Jesus is best revealed incarnationally, like face-to-face in our body. And we built our whole church around experiencing that in dialogue. God happens. Revelations are happening. And so here's, here's another uh, audience participation thing that, that I'd like you to, to go with me on here during my, my, my message because I'm going to tell you a few stories. And, and this is the refrain. This is my truth that I want to share with you. Will you read it with me? God is alive. Jesus is working in our dialogue as a community. We're giving it up to the Holy Spirit. So, the way the Bible tells the story in Acts, or or even any of the stories, um, it always seems so straightforward. But the experiences were likely much more like ours, where we need to make a an attribution to the Holy Spirit. You know, like my friend's idea that he had on Facebook in response to my blog, I'm saying that was the Holy Spirit. I'm saying God is alive because of that experience. There's other ways you could do it. But the way the Bible does it, it's like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this is so, so dry and straightforward. It doesn't get, like, I don't even think that, like, internal narrative was invented in literature yet. You know, You know, the idea of he was thinking. You know, and and this was his internal monologue. You know, we we like stories like that now in in 2019, and and I love the way that literature has developed. And I'd love it. I would have loved it if someone had written a like historical fiction. I mean, not a historical fiction, just like an autobiography with all of the papers and and stuff that that Jesus had written, which I don't even know if he did. But you know, it would be much better if we had a fuller picture of this these, this early church, the way that historians have done you know, with later historical pictures, Historical people who had been, like, writing down their thoughts and feelings, and people are synthesizing it for us, and we could know everything. But what we have is the Bible, and it's much, you know, more sparse. And so all we have to go on, then, is our own experience. What is it like for us to live with the Holy Spirit? Is it that different than what they were experiencing in the Bible? My, my assumption is not. Is that our our feelings of the Holy Spirit may be tenuous and we can have some doubts about them, but we're kind of trying to figure them out. When you're when when you when you trying to discern what the Holy Spirit is doing and you're not really sure, but you ask your friends about it and then we kind of figure out how to move together uh, in faith that this is what God has given us to do, that's how it was for them too. That's my assumption. Uh and we tell our stories that way, too. I, I, I tell my story from a couple years ago. My friend Scott was inspired by the Holy Spirit to say, go back as a student and meet people. I'll give you money. Here's 20 bucks. That was, that was inspired. That was the Holy Spirit. That's what I, I was given to do. So I have some stories like that from this week. Things that happened, like, oh, I think it may be the past couple weeks. Um, I was I was looking for where God was showing up in our dialogue. Where was the Holy Spirit moving in our community? So, story number one. That's a mountain. That is the prototypical mountain on the Wikipedia site for mountains. Land, <laughs> land figure or something like that. I'd like to know where it is. My friend Justin was talking about mountains. It's really my job. I get to, like, talk to everybody. It's really great. If you want to experience the Holy Spirit, just call someone up, you know? Make a connection. Make time for it. Turn off Netflix and just ring someone randomly. Because I was talking to Justin, and he was telling me about his process of getting into some new stuff that he hadn't really been planning to do. And he and he, and he always, he, he thought about that, that phrase that Jesus said, if you have faith like the seed of a, like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move. And... And he said, well, I didn't move any mountains. I didn't have, it definitely didn't feel like mountain-moving faith. But I find myself on the other side of the mountain. God moved the mountain, so now I'm in this new country. And I'm doing these things that I didn't even try to end up doing. And I'm like, I have this capacity that I didn't even know I was aware of. I'm leading in in these ways, and I'm, I'm having these experiences with God. And it was like, oh, you did something. Oh, like all of a sudden he woke up and, oh, this is not where I live. I'm in a new place. And that inspired me so much, that idea that God moved the mountain and I was on the other side. I wrote a whole poem about it that made my friend cry. I'm not going to read it to you. I, I'm not ready to publish it yet. I, I might need to, to decontextualize it a little bit. But uh, I was so inspired by that. And then he shared it at a Sunday meeting. And I hope that some of you were, were inspired by it too. This this vision of how God is working in, in us and what that... Uh, what that means uh, when Jesus says that your faith will move mountains. It's not so instrumental. It's some, some new idea. It, it, it felt like a new revelation for me. Oh, yes. It's not, it's not so causal. Like God is doing stuff, and I'm participating in it, and there's this flow, and then something new happens, and I get to say yes to it. It's much more like that than this kind of math problem about how, how I'm praying and what kind of faith I have. Oh, Justin, I was inspired. You didn't come to that just on your own. The Holy Spirit inspired you, and it inspired me. It was like a wildfire. Let's say it. God is alive. Jesus is working in our dialogue as a community. We're giving it up to the Holy Spirit. Story number two. Rob uh, chose to sing this song by Aaron Strumpel. A couple weeks ago, is that how you say his name? Strumpel, such a weird name. Wait, I wrote it down. Strumpel, yeah. Sounds like a breakfast dish. <laughs> He's a cool guy though, because he wrote this song. Arise, O oh Lord, lift up your eyes. Don't forget I'm helpless. Oh, you lead. Am I hitting that note? Oh, you lead me to waters and pastures so green. That's the part I had to sing, the lead part, because that leading was the Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, let, me, let me try it one more time. Oh, you lead me to waters and... Can you help me? How's it go? You don't remember how it goes? I, I was singing it in the shower this morning because I wanted to sing it to y'all. Whatever, look up Aaron Strumpel, uh, Psalm 23. It's a beautiful song, but it has this line from, from Psalm 23 about leading. And uh, I have this uh, ritual now that... Um, the way that I prepare for this meeting is I wake up real early and I prepare for this meeting. <laughs> like, even I leave tasks that are, that are kind of creative and are going to kind of make my energy ready for what it is I'm given to do here. So I, we've been doing litanies. Like that Acts 2 we just did, I came up with that this morning, early this morning. Um, and so a couple weeks ago, I, I, I was coming up with this litany for this other song that I'm going to sing. Holy presence, love divine, cast out my fear. Shield me, free me, call me, lead me. Wow, I'm really off key. This this is perfect. The lead me, there it is again. The lead me. I was singing about lead me, and then Rob was, but here's the thing. Rob didn't choose the songs that week. It was Stevie Neal. She chose the songs. And Rob came in, and said, um, said this, he wrote about it afterwards. He codified the Holy Spirit moving because we have this like dialogue doc. So great for to have dialogue, all the places we can have it. So Rob, Rob actually wrote down the story of what happened and why I think that this, this correspondence that was happening between my early morning meditation and his choice of this song. Also, quick story about a last minute song edition and how it connects to the Spirit moving among us. As I was listening to an old recording of You Can't Kill the Spirit and trying to get any new ideas on how to lead it, I kept listening to the 20-some 20 minute, 20 minute recording of all the music that was done on that particular Sunday. While listening, I heard 23, which is this song by Aaron Strumpel, which we haven't done in quite some time. and was inspired to include it in, in the songs on Sunday. When Stevie showed up, I said, Hey, I was thinking of doing this song. Do you know it? She immediately responded with, yes, I wanted to pick it for this week, but didn't want to do all of my favorite songs in one week. Ben walked in shortly after and asked, hey, do you mind adding this song to the, oh, and I asked him, do you mind adding this song to the slides for today? Ben quickly replied, oh yeah, that goes great with something we're already doing this morning. It felt good to have this little reminder that God is still working in us and through us individually and collectively. I needed it and I'm grateful to have received it on Sunday. Because in my morning meditation, I, I was finding psalms that corresponded to each of those words, shield me, free me, call me, lead me. And for lead me, I chose Psalm 23 because of that line. Let's say it. God is alive. Jesus is working in our dialogue as a community. We're giving it up to the Holy Spirit. Last story. On Friday night, we had a Father Blessing. For Vlad, Vlad Bienneme, and we have father blessings are uh, these rich this ritual that we created to help men move into being a father, do the, doing that spiritually. Um, we have mother blessings too, uh, and it, it's kind of an alternative to the cultures uh, ritual for for moving into parenthood, which is buy a bunch of stuff. And that stuff's necessary. I'm not down on, on, on baby showers. But, but we wanted to get the spiritual part of it, the emotional part of it. What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to cross this threshold? And so we were talking, and a thing that came up that I thought was the Holy Spirit moving, because it was so perfect for what Vlad probably needed to hear, was one, one man was talking about when he became a father— and he had this, you know, this kind of cliche expectation. When you hold your baby, your life's going to change. You've heard that, right? That's a very beautiful sentiment. And, and one, one man was brave enough to say, yeah, I, I held the baby. And I was like, oh, man, we made a mistake. I can't, I can't do this. I don't feel anything. Um, and then someone else echoed, oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't love that kid till they could talk. <laughs> you know this super honesty, this place where you're allowed to like jump out of the cliche and say what you're actually feeling. That vulnerability, like, no, I don't. I don't fit. And actually, you are my dear friend Vlad. If you don't feel that way, it's fine. It's fine. Go go with it. And that comfort. You know, the Holy Spirit gets called the Comforter. Uh, that was that was the Holy Spirit moving, and I, and I could feel it in Vlad. I could feel the Holy Spirit comforting him. I was sitting right next to him. It was real. God is alive. Jesus is working in our dialogue as a community. We're giving it up to the Holy Spirit. So you might doubt me. Straight up. I'm just just making connections here. And, And I totally get if you think that's not really making sense. Uh... There are other explanations for the interpretations of what happened in our life together this week. And I agree with that. But your interpretations, if you're doubting me, you know, I don't want to be too combative, but if, if you're like, nah, I'm not so sure about that, um, your interpretations are just as doubtful as mine. Everything is deniable. <laughs> Everything is deniable. Some of the people that experienced what happened in Jerusalem, on Pentecost, I'm sure they got over it. They got to a place either where their faith was just like all dried up and they felt stuck in their own stuff and they had trouble even remembering and they started to doubt. Was that even real? Did that even happen? Does it still matter? Is God alive? Is God working in our community? That happened. Some of them may may have died not trusting in Jesus. Some of them may have gone so far into whatever was getting them stuck, that they got unstuck from Jesus, and, they, and they, they, they may have died hopeless. I don't think that an experience of the Holy Spirit, um, even as palpable as fire and, and flaming tongues, you know, is, is, is enough to sustain you for your whole life. One experience of, of the Holy Spirit doesn't make you uh, a trusting follower of Jesus and a listener to the Holy Spirit for your whole life. I know this for a fact. I had a guy in my cell who, when he was in his early twenties, was, was was involved in the, the charismatic Catholic movement. And they were speaking in tongues, and he said he spoke in tongues. But today he wouldn't call himself a Christian. I was like, wow, we our capacity to kind of move on and kind of get into new rhythms and new practices, we're very malleable. You know, we can change. And that's, a good, that's good news because when you're feeling stuck and you're feeling like you're doing that same old thing again, you can change. And that's good news. But it's also a warning, you know. Your fire needs to be tended. You need to say yes to the Holy Spirit today. Or you can just drift away. It's possible. So there's lots of different explanations, you know, of these stories. And, and, and I think it's a lot like the story in Acts 2. Peter responds to the people saying that said, um, these people are obviously drunk. You know, you, you could be saying to me, or maybe you could imagine someone you know saying to me, dude, yeah, that Ben White? He's talking, talking some BS about the Holy Spirit. You know, like, not, I'm not buying it. You, you know people that aren't going to get into that, right? You know, you know some people that are going to hear my story, that are like, oh, yeah, you can make patterns out of anything because you're a human being, and we just like make patterns, you know? But yeah, of course, yeah, you, definitely there are people like that. So they're going to say to me, dude, he's drunk. We're all drunk, you know? Our, our ideas are stupid. They don't make sense. I'm just not into that. You're way too Christian, and I'm not like that. There, there are these people. And Peter responds in Acts two, in a mixture of, of his own bravado and his faith and inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive, by the way. The guy the guy that Peter is, who's ready to stand up and say, Hey, listen to me. Kinda like Bryce. Bryce and Peter, very similar people. Um uh, he he has this inspiration. He said, These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes some more prophets, and he shows that Jesus is even better than David, the the grand king of Israel, because David didn't ascend into heaven. And and then then, uh, he concludes, Peter concludes at the end of his sermon, which extends too long for us to walk through all of it, in Acts 2.36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And Peter said that once before. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are Lord and Messiah. And what does Jesus say to Peter? You didn't come to that on your own. You were given that. You, you were given it by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is defining how these things work. We're not just that clever. You know, this is not a puzzle that you need to be smart enough to solve. There's something else happening that is that is moving you to some of these conclusions. And when we tell our stories about what is happening, we are applying Whatever little bit of trust we have to the situation, you know, we're we're testing it out. I think that was the Holy Spirit, and then we move with it and see how it feels. We don't, we can't conclude without doing it. We have to trust and walk and talk and do for anything to feel right. For us to know anything requires that kind of walking out together. So for me to say, Rob, that was the Holy Spirit. Well, Rob said it. That wasn't me. He was inspired. He, he, he named it, he shared it, it felt good to me too, and now I'm telling all you about it. That, that, and I don't know, you could tell me later whether it felt like the Holy Spirit to you or not. Because we're working on it together. And we need each other to, to, to feel it. If you are at all inclined to attribute something that happened to the Holy Spirit, go with it. There will be another voice, uh, there'll be some cynical voice that's coming from you or maybe some imagined other person that that has another another answer for what's going on. But don't let that voice dissuade you. Faith is just choosing. Faith is going in the direction that you want to go. But that feeling's still there. And it, it's going to cause a problem. The Holy Spirit feeling, the trust and the faith that you have, that you have some inclination towards, that you consistently don't choose... You know, you're going to bury that. And I think it'll mess you up to do that. So there's another warning. I think if you never follow that feeling, you might hollow yourself out, maybe? Or ruin your capacity to remember when you're all stuck in your own stuff and then you'll never get out? You know, you'll just be in that tunnel for a long time until the universe or chance bounces you out of it occasionally. God is giving you a push. It's there. And we can feel for it, but it's not not so straightforward as it sometimes sounds in Acts. So we test it out. We give it a try. We're free to, to go with it and see. Huh, maybe? What do you think? Is this it? So where did Peter come up with all that stuff in his sermon about Joel and David anyway? We didn't go through it, but he's like making all of these connections. He stands up with the 11 behind him. I think that's key. Peter's bravado is important. He is the leader, but he's got his boys backing him up. He's got his community kind of egging him on, pushing him forward. Go for it, Peter. You're the one. Somebody has to say something. They're saying we're drunk. And he has all these new interpretations. You know, he, he lives in Scripture. You know, he, he's an ancient Hebrew guy, and, and he walked around with Jesus, who's always, Scripture's just spilling out of his mouth all the time. And so Peter, Peter learned to be like that too, and he was, I'm sure they were studying Scripture. And so he has, it comes to his mind, oh, Joel, and oh, David, this psalm. He's just making all these connections. He's making an argument that is poppycock. You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. There's no direct connection even between the promise from John 14 and this thing that happened. I'm going to send you a comforter, Jesus says. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And then there's like an earthquake and wind and loud noises and we're speaking in different tongues. You know, Jesus didn't telegraph what it was going to be like. He didn't say this is what it's going to be like. This is some strange comfort. Huh. But they make the connection. They're like, nope, this is it. They were, they were acti- they were actively choosing the story. This is the Holy Spirit. This is not a demon. This is not a ghost. They believed in ghosts. They thought Jesus was a ghost when he was walking on water. This is not some, this is not some other thing. This is the thing God promised. They make a choice. There's no instructions. There's no loud voice from heaven. And they've heard loud voices from heaven. You know? Some of them have heard audible voices from heaven and there's no instructions at Pentecost. It's just chaos. And, and they're excited about it. They go with it. They say, yes, this is it. And so uh, when we are making our connections about uh, Justin's story, about Rob's story, uh, about the the fathers at Vlad's blessing, it's a very similar thing we're doing. We're just, we're going with what we've got. We're saying, yes, this is it. Yes. We're not drunk. We're not stupid. We're not too Christian. This is the feeling that we have when we're going with it. What do you think? We're get, and, and, and by the way, we're getting unstuck. It's totally worth it because to stay in your problem by yourself is just so terrible and so many people experience life that way. The, 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 the freedom is there. Praise God. So one more time. God is alive. Jesus is working in our dialogue as a community. We're giving it up to the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's all I have to say. Would you like to say something back? Uh, Maybe a story, or you want to check something out? Jason's ready.
0: Oh! <laughs> Chesapeake, clearly you are very concerned about it. I'm concerned about it too. I can't send you home tonight.
1: That is so good. Let's write a book about that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Jason. Anybody else have a story or a question? Oh, you're ready. Christy. So you said about everything is sort of deniable. It really
2: struck a core, because I think I'm somebody who's always debating myself in my own head often. So it's like, oh, no, I feel this way.
1: I think also we, we all we all have friends that are just more much more comfortable with this language. You you have that friend that says, uh, "You know, God said all the time." Oh, God was telling me, God's. You know, you have that person that's just how they frame their prayer life. It's very concrete, and uh, sometimes they sometimes it's like ah, I don't know about that. You know, and we, and we can we we can start evaluating others as well, and and so we don't want to kind of get too far. It's like that. what you said about embarrassment. Is that the word you used? Yeah,
2: and I think that's why for me it's not often something that I sort of put on others. Because I believe you. Yeah. Right?
1: It's the internal uh, of embarrassment. Yeah, I might, I might be wrong. Yeah, definitely. Or I
2: might get rejected, or I
1: might yeah. get you know, told otherwise. Or, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That That is the risk. and And that's why it's such a miracle to do it, too because we need more than we have even to do the thing that Jesus has given us to do. So when we when we trust it and we say I think this was the Holy Spirit um, or I think God's telling me to do something a very vulnerable thing to do requires a community like this that that loves you and you and, and, and you've, you've witnessed what that looks like and so we need to have a group project about this to to maybe, get all of those inspirations that, that might be getting lost because it's, it's a hard thing to do. I want to acknowledge that. But we can help each other if it's like what we do. The we is very powerful. Donovan, Nicole.
3: Decisions or communicate in certain ways at times, whereas you know somebody else is.
1: I think it does. What do you What do y'all think? Is that okay? I I don't think you can do it any other way. I, I think I'm just acknowledging what it is to be a human being with a will, and 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 to you know I think I think that we have a very overblown moment in history when objectivity is the illusion that everyone believes in. You know, there and it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, we're all we are all subjects, um, and so. Uh yeah, that's that's how making a decision and acting on it works. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't make it a distinction. Bryce has something to add too. I would just say I'd be
0: surprised if you're choosing was out of context. Probably related to that choosing. So I do pray
1: for some re choosing. Oh yeah, I want to add something to that too.
0: Um <laughs>
1: My, my dad, who's a psychotherapist and, uh, and a longtime pastor, talks about how how we're actually not very good at choosing, and many of our choices are rather predetermined, like, by our context. And so it's even more important to create a community uh, that influences people towards good decisions. That's why we meet like this, because you're not a good chooser, and that's okay, Everyone thinks they are like the the, the the myth of our of our of our culture is that you are an excellent chooser and you make the best choices because you are you and you choose best because it's what's best for you that's the story. It's like but social scientists have studied this and it is not true <laughs> you like that's just not how you work and and that disjointedness is going to make us all crazy but let's let's go with how we really are. That's 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 how we really are. Is is the us that the Holy Spirit is inspiring? Nicole, you can have the last word. The team's coming up. I'll make
4: it short. But the, what comes to mind for my visual, my visual is like, uh, like double dutch, right? When you're playing double dutch, and so when you go in and it's like real scary. <coughs> you sure.
1: Beautiful image.
0: Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.